If you turn with me to the book of Hebrews, um, verse, um, chapter number 2, Hebrews chapter number 2. The book of Hebrews is a very um, complex book, if you will, um, but it's a very good book. And uh, I'd like to go through a series in the book of Hebrews, and we have went here and there, but um, I told the church a little while back that we'd like, I'd like to go through a series, but first we want to finish Revelation before we ever got to Hebrews, because both of them at the same time, I don't know how good that would work. Um, but uh, we do want to retain the scriptures, right? And so, I mean, not just be so bloated and blown up by things. Um, And uh, so I do love the book of Hebrews, though, and I'd like to um, give you a thought out of uh, chapter 2, verse 14. And so if you found your spot, could we stand and reverence the reading of the word? And uh, we can reverence it sitting down. We do in the car all the time, Um, but I do believe we can uh, reverence it every opportunity we have by standing and um, uh, speaking of what Miss Penny had said just a moment ago, um, Brother Tim Floor said, add everything up that death can't take away, and that's how much you're worth. And um, that, that means a lot, what you, what you can take with you. Amen. And we're not preaching on that, but that was just a thought. Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse number 14, the Bible says, For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. It does say had there. Did anybody notice that? It says through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. I underlined that in my Bible. So, And deliver them who, so and, being a conjunction, so it's continuing, it's continuing on, he took part of the same. And so, and deliver them who through fear of death were all through their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behoved behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we need you. Lord, I thank you for giving us the opportunity and time, Lord, to be able to come back to the house of God. And we ask you, Lord, as we consider this text to give me a clarity of mind. And Lord, uh, stop my nerves. And I pray, God, that in all things, Lord, you might have, uh, you might be lifted up. And Lord, we sure do love you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I told the church just a while back that we were going to start a series on it, as I mentioned. And I was going to title it a book of better things because it is a book of better things. Everything's better in this book, amen. It just talks about better than Moses, better than the angels, better than all of those things, the salvation, the blood, the sacrifices, the sufferings. All of those things have been better in the book of Hebrews because it speaks of Christ's coming. Uh, and you can um, say who you think wrote the book of Hebrews, but none of that really matters when it comes down to what's inside the book of Hebrews. Uh, there's so much in there, and all. And as we consider this text, it's a very glorious text. As it as it begins there, as for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh, likewise took part. He took part of the same. Uh, took part of the same of what? He took part of the same of the flesh. He took. He was a partaker of the flesh and blood, right? And so all because he loved you, amen, all because he loved me, uh, all of those things would he come to a cross and die in his shame and in agony uh, and in pain, he did have to endure pain, uh, and all of those things he did this uh, by becoming a partaker of the flesh 
and the blood. Uh, listen, it's hard to make a it's hard to make a complex thing practical. I want to let you know that real quick. Um, so so just hang with me, and we'll get somewhere in just a minute. I promise. But but now the word partaker there deals with uh, coming into. Uh, communication or communion or fellowship with uh, it's to join oneself or, or and associate with one thing uh, and so it's to come in together with something and so think about it now now really try to get this in your mind it's going to be hard to do but um, think about the, the literally the God of all glory the creator of the very universe in which you live in uh, it literally became a man now think about that I know that's hard. That's hard to understand. Uh, uh, it's hard to do all those things. But, but you know, a lot of people today, they want to look at our nature and look at it as a strong and a mighty and a, and a you know, we're, we can do everything. You know, we're the smartest creatures that there is in the earth. Uh, I don't believe that a bit. But nonetheless, we're, we're this and we're that and we're the strongest creatures. Uh, and we create so many different things. Uh, um, but that's not the truth. This isn't a strong and a mighty state according to the Bible. And uh, it's not a strong or a mighty state according to the Bible, uh, um, but rather it's a weak state that we live in. Job described it in this way. Uh, he said, man that is born of a woman uh, is few of days and full of trouble. It's a lot of trouble that we deal with. Uh, and we don't have many days to deal with trouble either. But uh, from getting out of, uh, fr- think about it, from, from running and getting out of breath. Uh, Elisha woke up yesterday and he said, I want to go fishing. Uh, so we went fishing uh, and we went fishing the day before that too uh, and uh, we probably would have went fishing the day before that as well because he just wants to go fishing uh, and so but I get out of breath when I go fishing sometimes because he wants to go this way and that way and has anybody seen that mountain up there and, and so everything's healy around this place and so we're climbing up mountains and doing this and life says daddy come on I'm like son I'm out of breath I can and so so from from being out of breath and to getting off the floor uh, I mean how easy is it to get off the floor I mean I'm 26 years old but it's still not that easy to get out of the floor when I'm down there uh, and so to getting hungry and to getting thirsty and uh, to hurting and pain and all those times of things uh, all these are daily reminders uh, to us that we are flesh and blood right they're daily reminders to you and I that we're nothing but flesh and nothing but blood. And we can only do so much and we can only go so far because we are flesh and blood, right? And so thinking about those things, we're certainly not strong and we're certainly not mighty as some would have believed. But this flesh will fail us. We got a, we got a dear brother, David, up at the nursing home that we get to visit. And we're, we're discipling him. He just got born. He was the one that got saved a few about a month ago. And we're discipling him. And I'm telling you right now, I wish that we could get as grieved as he does sometimes about sin. I'm telling he, he, I mean, I'm talking about a man in a wheelchair can't walk, can't do any of those things. But he said, he, he comes to me every single week that we're there. And he says, preacher, I need to talk to you in private. And so we talk in private every single week. There's not been one time, am I right? There's not been one time that we went up there that he hadn't had to talk to me. And he said, I, I do these little things and they bother me so much. They bother me so much. He said, what did I do with them? 
And so we, we, we try to use the scripture and explain some things to him. And, he, and he's wanting to learn so much, but the man can't read, so he can't read his Bible. And we're in the process of getting him an audio Bible and, and stuff along those lines. But I, I'm, my point is, is that we, this flesh right here, I, I tell him every week. I, I told him last week, I said, feel this. He said, yeah, he felt it. He said, we're the, I said, we're the same thing, Brother David. Yeah. We're flesh. We're going, it's going to fail us. Uh, uh, yet when we look at it from the point of view we see uh, here is that the God of all glory and the creator and the almighty one uh, did something great because he became flesh and blood. Right? He became flesh and blood. He identified as us, right? Identified in us. He walked as we walked and lived as we lived. Uh, hurt like we hurt. Was touched by infirmities uh, as we did. And he died as we uh, will die yet without sin. Right? And so he did all those things. But why would he ever do that? Well in verse 9 it gives us a good indication of one reason why he would do that. For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor. That he, might by, he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Amen. And so he's going to taste, he, t- he tasted death for every man. Is what he, and so in our text here, we're going to find three more reasons why the Bible tells us uh, that he took part of the same. And I'm going to preach on that thought. He took part uh, of the same. Three reasons why he took part of the same. Uh, I want you to notice the first reason is in verse 14. I want to read it. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh, and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Uh, here's the reason that through death he might destroy him uh, that had the power of death, that is uh, the devil. Uh, and so, number one, he took part of the same uh, to destroy the devil. Amen. I like when the Bible alliterates itself. Uh, to destroy the devil. Uh, you know, isn't that a blessing that he did that to destroy the devil? Uh, now, now, many years ago is when he died. He didn't die yesterday. Uh, and so the Bible tells us that he, the devil's destroyed. Is that right? Well, let's go through some things. Uh, I think the first thing we need to see is the defining of who the devil is. Uh, and so who is the devil? Everybody, we could probably uh, give reasons uh, of why we believe the devil's the devil and what, this and that and the characteristics of him uh, and the definition of him and so on and so on. But the last part of this verse uh, um, gives us a key indicator as who the devil is. Uh, and it says that he uh, had the power of death that is... Uh, um, the devil, but really, who is he? Who is he? Now, why exactly would God have to take on flesh to destroy the devil? Now, you with me, right? Is that not what it's implying to us? That he had to take on flesh. The almighty God of the universe had to take on flesh to destroy the devil. Right? And so why would he have to do that? Who from the, uh, well, 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 when we look at the devil, from the beginning of time, the devil we know was a fallen angel, right? We've heard those things, we know those things. God has always, uh, and we've got to establish, don't get this in your mind, but God has always been over the devil. He's always been stronger than the devil. Uh, he's always uh, been able to uh, destroy the devil. But, 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 but why, become, why become a man to destroy him? Why? Why does he have to do that? And I, I, I mean, understand this. He, when he came to this earth, he was still God. 
He never changed from being God either. And so he never changes. So we must clear all those things. We must clear the fact out that he was under the devil for some uh, um, point of time. And we must clear out the fact that uh, he was not God when he was on this earth. Because he still was. But understanding this, we must look at our text. And our text tells us that he uh, also himself likewise took part of the same. uh, That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. I guess we would look and say as a fallen angel, uh, he is a fallen angel and that's what he was. Did God create him fallen? Now understanding, no God couldn't create evil. God will never create evil. God will never foreordain evil either. Uh, none of those things that God created, that the, the, the crowd that we're seeing in our generation, uh, um, God did not create them to do what they are doing. Because uh, it would make him unholy. And God did not do that. No, God cannot create evil uh, because he is holy is what he is. Uh, and Satan, we understand that Satan vaunted himself up uh, in pride uh, and rebelled against God. And do I understand all, Do I understand all this? Absolutely not. Uh, I don't understand all of it, but I do believe the Bible. Amen? Uh, and I do. No wonder, no, no wonder God hates pride in our day and uh, our hour and always has hated pride. Uh, and so, so, so much. Uh, and so if we were to go back to Ezekiel in chapter 28, uh, and we were to read in verse 17, I got it written down, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Uh, um, thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness, uh, and I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. And so this is talking about the angel, uh, um, the cherubim uh, that covereth, and so on. Uh, Job 41, verse 34, the Bible Bible says he beholdeth uh, all high things. Uh, he is the king over the children of pride. Uh, yes, I understand that's talking about Leviathan, uh, but I don't believe Leviathan is uh, an alligator or a crocodile or a whale. Uh, I believe personally that it is the devil is who it is. Uh, and that's who the Leviathan is. Uh, and he uh, um, dealt with it in proper context. That's what it is. Uh, and he dealt with that. And we study looking on the devil and see uh, um, that he is a so Associated personally with pride. We're just trying to get a little defining of him, definition of him. And so study in Ezekiel chapter 28, you'll find that Satan was the anointed cherubim, cherub uh, that covereth. Is that right? And uh, that's what it says somewhere around verse 14 or so. Uh, um, he was full of wisdom. Uh, he was uh, perfect in beauty. That's all descriptions that Ezekiel chapter 28 gives us. Uh, and the word of God even describes him in verse 15 of chapter 28 uh, as perfect in thy ways uh, um, from the day that thou was created until iniquity was found in thee. So he's perfect in all of his ways until iniquity was found in thee. We could go on and on about who he is and what he does. Isaiah chapter 14, we could go there and find where he, there's five eyes there. He says, I will do this, I will do that, I will do this, I will do that. I will be lifted up above the most high and so on and so on. But he, what he would do in those days, can I tell you he's full of pride? He, 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 and by the way, he's not the leader of hell, as some people think. Instead, he'll go down to the sides of the pit. So, I mean, he's not even going to be in the middle. I mean, I, I'm just telling you is that, that when we look at it, he will, be, he will be there suffering just like the rest. That's going to go there. He's a liar. He's a murderer. He's an excuser of the brethren. He's a sinner. And he's our adversary is what he is this morning. 
And yet the God of all glory came here so that he could destroy the devil. Hallelujah. The defining of him. Then we'll notice the destruction of him. The destruction of the devil. He said that through death he might destroy him that had the power over death that is the devil. And so Satan's sentence was given him back in Edom. Right? It was given to him back in Eden. And I love how Buster Seton used to define that and tell the story. But I'm not going to get into it. But he tells the story from the beginning all the way up to Satan that every man that was born out of the lineage of Abraham, that he said, oh no, this must be the Christ. And so on and so on and so on. But then a virgin conceived. Then Isaiah came and said that there was a virgin that was going to conceive. And then the virgin conceived. And he said, he said, this is what he said. He said, baby, look, baby devil looked over at Papa Devil and said, oh no, we're done now. My point is, is that looking at this, the Bible is uh, um, that, that the first time the Bible tells us of a, that a man uh, was tempted was by Satan, right? First time the Bible ever deals with a temptation, we understand that the serpent, who is subtle, subtle, more subtle than any beast of the field, according to Genesis chapter 3, 1, and so the Bible is silent as to when Satan rebelled and fell against God. Now, maybe it's not. I've read some commentators on it and seen some same. Some suggest that the same time that the fall of man happened is the same time that the fall of Satan happened. I don't know if we could prove that, but Doug, you can study that. You're smarter than I am. But nonetheless, is that I do not know if that's true or not or any of those things, but just the food for thought is that Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14 says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. Right? Talking to the serpent. Who is the serpent? Satan. Okay. Thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat for the rest of thy life. Or, or for the days of thy life. And so then the next verse, in verse 13, 15 rather, the next verse of chapter 3, Genesis 3 and verse 15, tells us, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. So he's talking to the serpent. Is that right? Who is Satan? And verse 14 just told us very clearly that because thou hast done this, thou art cursed. So there might be a good argument about that, preacher. I don't know, but I'm just telling you is that it says, between thee and thy seed, uh, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So, so we're talking about Jesus uh, being, uh, ju- he, he took part of the same, right? He took part of the same, and he's coming to destroy Satan, uh, destroy the devil. That's why he took part of the same, uh, according to this. Uh, And so as the seed of woman, Christ uh, will come and give the final blow uh, um, to Satan's head while he was on the cross. While he was on the cross, he done it. He didn't do it from heaven. Uh, he did it on the cross. Uh, and he made the final blow and he put the final nail in his head uh, as he was there. Uh, and he, uh, Satan had deceived mankind uh, and Satan had made them fall into sin uh, and wickedness. Uh, but God said, that is enough. Uh, I came and I took part of the same uh, because uh, he uh, needed to be destroyed. Is that right? 
Is that scripture now? Now the Bible says Revelation chapter 20. Let's go actually to Revelation chapter number 12 uh, and think on this verse. It says in verse 9, And the great dragon uh, was cast out, that old serpent, uh, that old serpent, there's that phrase again, called the devil and Satan, uh, listen, which deceiveth the whole world. Uh, he was cast out into the earth, uh, and he uh, and his angels were cast out with him. Uh, then we can go in Revelation. Chapter 20, church, we're almost in Revelation chapter 20. We just finished chapter 17, thank the Lord, in our study, but we're actually almost, we're literally almost in chapter 20. Amen. One day it's going to happen, friend, and we're going to be gone. Uh, uh, and I'm just telling you, but the Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 10, and the devil uh, um, that deceived them uh, was cast in a lake of fire and brimstone uh, where the beast and the false prophet are uh, and shall be tormented day and night forever. Not just forever and ever. Amen. Thank God. And so see the reference back all the way to Genesis chapter 3 when Satan was in the garden as a serpent. uh, He was there uh, and the reference was all the way back to the original sin when God uh, um, said that there will be enmity between thy seed uh, and your seed and her seed. uh, And here we are here. Why did Jesus uh, have to take part of the same? Uh, Because Calvary, uh, Calvary Calvary had to be, beloved. Calvary had to be. Calvary had to be and this bruising of his head took place uh, on Calvary uh, when Jesus was nailed to the cross uh, and it was predicted uh, by Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. So he took part of the same to destroy the devil. And one day, can I just tell you, sin will all be over with. It'll all be over with. All the deception will be over with. Uh, And Christ came and he destroyed the devil at Calvary. Nothing to get too excited about. Amen. Just the the accuser of the brethren. Amen. Uh, uh, He took part of the same to destroy the devil. And then we can read in verse 15. And deliver them who through fear. uh, Now you preachers, you might already know where I'm going because we're alliterating here. uh, And so it started with another D. And deliver them who through fear of death uh, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not... On him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Um, so he took the same to destroy the devil and to deliver the dead. To deliver the dead. Now we were dead in our trespasses and sin, right? And we were, and so hallelujah, what a blessing that is that I'm not dead anymore. Amen. Uh, uh, praise the Lord. And so uh, um, notice a few things here. Notice number one, that the purpose of why it came. Here's the purpose, a relationship. A relationship is the purpose of why he came. And deliver them who through fear of death were all lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not. And so we're not going to get into that whole lot. But the, the, the devil was dealt with at Calvary. Notice how death was dealt with at Calvary too though. So, so we, we have looked at how, how the devil was dealt with and we understand it. But how was death? Now, before doing so, I believe it would do good to get a little theological here. And I'm not a very theological person, but I do deal with the Bible. And so it has to be a little bit of theological, right? And so look. And so the scriptures give us three kinds of death, right? There's the physical death. We understand that to be just simply the death that takes place when the heart stops beating, right? Uh, everybody's going to face that death. I mean, when the heart's, unless we're raptured. But the heart stops beating and the soul of man along with his spirit is separated from his body. That's the, the physical death. Then there's the spiritual death, right? So the spiritual death, this death or separation takes place when man, because of his sin, is separated from God. 
And some, uh, some have described this as a death of emptiness and so on and so on. And, and it definitely is. It definitely is. Uh, but then there is the eternal death, right? Um, and Revelation 20 deals with that as well if you want to go there. But I'm not going to read it. But it occurs when the unbeliever is separated from God for all of eternity in the lake of fire. This is the second death. So the Bible says. And it occurs at that moment. And so sin came and sin caused death. Right? We're going somewhere, I promise. We're talking about delivering the dead, okay? Praise the Lord. And so Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, I'm reminded of a verse there where the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Is that right? I think I got it right. Sin caused death. Sin is what caused death. Uh, Humanly speaking, death is a fearful thing. Humanly speaking, now the Bible actually says, and deliver them who through fear of death. Right? So death is considered to be a fearful thing. I mean, it is. I mean, you just think about it. You're you're literally leaving this life. What's the only thing you've ever known? I mean, the, the, just the thought of death is, is seem like a, a crunching thing. I mean, it is. And I've preached funerals and stuff, but I'm talking about myself. I'm not scared of dying because I thank the Lord I'm going to heaven. Amen. But, but we, understand, we, un, we understand that death can be a fearful thing. And, and listen, if you're lost in here, death is going to be a fearful thing. But it's even going to get more scary when you get on the other side. And so thinking about this, there, so, so, so I understand that death is a fearful thing. I understand that. But beloved, I tell you, there is a God in heaven who can deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. There was a God in heaven who took part of the same in order to do that. In order to do that. And so Jesus took part of the same so we didn't have to spiritually die. I never have to spend a day without Jesus. Never have to, friend. In ourselves, uh, we were lost and rushing headlong uh, to destruction. Uh, But I tell you, He uh, took part uh, of the same uh, so that we who were dead could be made alive. Amen. That was His purpose the reason done it and then his plan we notice his plan in verse 16 for verily he took not on him, him the nature of angels but he took on him the seed of Abraham now I don't understand this completely but, I, but we understand that there's a relationship right his purpose was a relationship God wants a relationship with you whether you want a relationship with him or not he wants one with you he does I mean a genuine relationship a genuine relationship he calls you your brethren here I mean I, mean, I, I talk to you don't I I mean, I do. I talk to my brother. You know why? Because of my brother. Man, but we don't talk to God much, do we? I'm just telling you, his plan is not only, not only is his purpose relationship, but his, his plan was reconciliation. Now, verse 17, let's get on down there. Wherefore, in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make what? Reconciliation. For the sins of the people. So this verse in verse 16 and the next verse, uh, it kind of ends with a section that kind of deals with the superiority, if you will, of Christ. 
and, uh, over angels, right? And so, so it kind of gets into that, and it goes on down and, and tells some other things. But, you know, learning through the book of Hebrews, you'll find that God, by purpose, identified himself with man through the seed of Abraham. He did that throughout the book of Hebrews. You read the book of Hebrews, he identified himself with the seed of Abraham. Um, now, directly, he wasn't the seed of Abraham, but he was the seed of Abraham at the same time because he did. We know there's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, so on, so on, Judah, and you can run the line all the way down and, and find it. But, but we understand that, that uh, he was the seed of Abraham, and so, so that Satan could be destroyed, he came through that seed, a human seed, right? <laughs> but it's very, it's, there's, there's a lot I could say here, and I'm trying to discern exactly what to say, but Satan... Satan initial he, he initialized a plan, his plan, uh, to be equal with God, right? We're, we're just going back just a little bit. And to take control of the human race. He approached Eve, right? He approached Eve and directed his attack on the woman. We understand all of those things because, I, I mean, he, 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 we're dealing with pride here. We're dealing with sin here. We're dealing with somebody who was sinful and who is the representative of sin itself. And so if we're looking at this, he, he judici judicially, if that's even a word exactly, I know it is, but um, dealing with that, if he, because he is judicially correct, I think I'm using the right word there, because he is judicially correct in dealing with the pride of sin and of Satan, God brings the punishment to Satan through the seed of the woman. I hope that made sense. Man, I hope that. I hope that made just right sense. So, so he uses the seed to bring the judgment and punishment to Satan because Satan came to the seed. I'm hoping that's making sense. Man, I, I, I'm real confused myself too. I'm, I'm almost there. I promise. I'm trying to get this right to make sure because it's easy to not say something right and really mess it all up from the pulpit, I promise. But, but Satan, he, 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 destroy, he used the seed to destroy him and bring punishment to him and to bring about this judgment upon Satan and to, to deliver man. He did both of them in the same action and the same seed. So it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. He was merciful to man and faithful to God all at the same time. Amen, friend. And it's all working at the same time. And so his becoming a man uh, had to be done uh, so that reconciliation, a bringing together, could be done. And it took man and it took God to do that. What did Job say? Job said over there in... I don't even know where it's at. I preached on the other day. Chapter 9 of the book of Job. Uh, he said, uh, neither is there, neither is there uh, a, uh, uh, help me, help me, a daysman uh, betwixt us that might bring our hands together. Uh, oh, friend, there is one, though. Uh, hallelujah. There's the mediator, the man, Christ Jesus. Uh, and it took God uh, becoming a man uh, to bring man uh, unto God. He became, it behoved him to become like his brethren. 
And that means it enticed him to become like his brethren. And so Christ Jesus in this capacity knew uh, that the holy and the just uh, requirements of God. uh, But he also knew the enormous needs of mankind. Uh, He knew that there was a just and a holy God in heaven. uh, But there was men on that earth uh, in whom he loved uh, and that needed him. That needed him bad. Amen, friend. The two, there's, there's, there's two ways to look at it. There's the requirements of God and then there's the needs of man. Uh, both the requirements of God and both the needs of man uh, were met at Calvary. Both of them. Both of them. Jesus Christ being introduced uh, as a merciful uh, and a faithful high priest. Uh, and that priest here, his priestly work uh, is introduced showing the reconciliation will take place. It will happen. The veil of the temple is rent in twain. All have access who go through him. Amen. This reconciliation work, friend, emphasizes the removal of sin by the only sacrifice that sanctifies or that satisfies rather God. That's it. And this work of propitiation removes sin and restores the relationship. And one meaning of reconciliation is to become friends again. Amen. I like that. What a God is He, friend. He, uh, he took part of the same to destroy the devil uh, and uh, to deliver the dead. Lord, help. It's 357. I'm almost done. Amen. She said, thank you, Jesus, at the wrong time. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He took part of the same to not only do those two things, but He also took part of the same uh, to defend uh, the drawn, those who are drawn away. Yeah, look at verse 18, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted. That deals with the drawing away of some outward expression. He is able to secure them. It's not the same word as secure, even though I can't say it how it's probably pronounced. Them that are tempted. And so Christ suffered being tempted. Am I right? Didn't Christ... For in that he himself had suffered being tempted. So we've got to deal with two parts of the verse. There's a comma that separates them. So Christ was tempted. Do we, 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 we do know that Christ was tempted. And I don't, I don't have a bookmark, but I'll put that in there. So Matthew chapter 4 deals with the temptation of Christ, right? Now you just think on these things. Where you don't have to turn over there or anything along those lines. But Matthew chapter 4 records the very temptation that come, came from, from Satan directly, right? So he is defeating Satan, he's destroying him, and then he is doing that simply by, so he can deliver the dead as well. It's all working exactly together. The context has never changed, it's all working exactly. And then he's going to defend those who are drawn away. So we gotta look, if we're going to understand something, I believe we're going to have to look back at Matthew chapter 4. I believe we'd have to. And so, so Satan was attempting, uh, we understand in Matthew chapter 4, he was attempting to uh, draw away the Son of God. Right? Is that a good explanation? I think, I think it worked. And so he's attempting to draw away and he's attempting to um, mess up God's plan for redemption. 
the Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness, right? I mean, He did. He led Jesus to the wilderness and to this temptation in order to, I don't know, publicly prove that His Son was qualified and worthy to be the Savior of the world. I, I mean, I don't know. But I believe the biggest thing is, is so that He was able to do exactly what this verse tells us He's able to do. Because he has been tempted, he's able to help those who have been tempted. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us the exact same thing. And so thinking about this, now our text there in verse 18, which we just read, says, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, so that he is able to secure them which are tempted. And so think of that verse. Just, just think about that verse. So I'm mentioning the simple fact, and I know we're slowing down just a little bit, but we're beginning to close. And so thinking about this, we're talking about the God of heaven becoming like man and taking part of the same flesh and blood to be tempted so that he can help us who are going to be tempted. So just think about that. Think about that as I read Matthew chapter 4 for you, okay? Just think about those that verse I read. Matthew chapter 4, don't, I mean, you can still hear this verse too, but then was Jesus led up to, up in the, uh, was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came, that's what he's described as to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and sitteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. Setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple. Saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any foot thou dash the foot against the stone. Jesus said, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And said Jesus unto him, Get thee, by, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. There are so many different avenues that we could go but look at what it deals with directly. In verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone. Then, verse 7, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verse 8, get thee behind it. it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord. Those are big things that we deal with a lot. And you think about this very, very clearly, that these three temptations that Christ faced involve the temptations that man faced constantly. I mean, when dealing with this world and the flesh and the devil, the three things that First John tells us, and you look at that and tell me that doesn't deal with the exact same things. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Christ suffered being tempted, friend, so that he knew, he knew that because he suffered, we were going to suffer with the flesh, the world, and the devil too, and he could help us in each one of them. He suffered being tempted and then not only does Christ suffer being tempted, but Christ secures those who are tempted. Verse 18, the Bible says, He is able to secure them 
that are tempted. So because Christ suffered temptations as flesh and blood, he, he can therefore secure, secure them. I can't even say that word, but he can do that. Them who are dealing with the similar suffering. Because he had been, and, 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 and he rushes to that word and he uses that word there. Uh, uh, and so he, he rushes, think about it, I'm, I'm just getting my own mind. You've got to get in there too for just a moment. But he rushes to secure us. He, he rushes to us. And I'm going to explain that word in just a moment. But the word, uh, let me just go and explain. The word there means just that. Uh, it means a rushing to one side. That's what it deals with. It's the only time that word that word directly is used in the New Testament, and it, I mean I know it, it does use the word in Second Corinthians, and, but it's got an ed on the end of it, so it doesn't mean exactly the same. But here it is, and it is to secure them, and so it's a rushing to one side, and it gives the picture of a mother who will rush to the side of her crying baby. Man, this is my God. Man, uh, and, and that's what it deals with, and, and it's a. It, it, they say I don't use Greek much, but that they, you go to that Greek word, and it, and it brings two words together, and it and it means to shout, and it means to run. Think about it. Now think about it, friend. I mean, our faithful high priest, uh, he doesn't walk and take his time. Uh, no, he runs uh, to help those who call him. Uh, and friend, we shall find uh, the word uh, again in the well-known Hebrews uh, in chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly uh, unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. It doesn't use that exact word, but it deals with the same thought. Uh, um, there is grace to help in a time of need uh, friend there is uh, and it summarizes the whole truth pertaining to the work uh, of Christ uh, and, and he is there uh, and he is a high priest uh, that cannot uh, be touched by the but that can can be touched uh, by the feeling let me see seeing that then that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens uh, Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our profession uh, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, uh, but within all was in all points tempted, uh, like as we are, yet without sin. Uh, he has been tempted, so he can help us. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah, friend. I mean, just think about it. We don't have a high priest that cannot be touched by it, but he has been touched by it. And he is that what, what are we what are we preaching on here? We're preaching very clearly on he took part. Of the same. He uh, took part uh, of the same. Uh, and when we look at this friend. We can know uh, that he is deeply uh, caring about our needs. Uh, and our concerns. Uh, and the next chapter goes right on in. Uh, and deals with it. And challenges uh, the person to uh, the apostle. And the high priest of our profession. That Christ Jesus uh, is that. And even as uh, uh, the. I mean as some people would say. Looking unto Jesus. Jesus, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, uh, the author and the finish of our faith through forth of a um, joy that was set before him and endured the cross, despising the shame, uh, and is set down on the right hand of God. That's him, friend. Uh, that's the same one. And he took part of the same as you are. So he is able to do this, defend us when we're drawn away. And that's a wonderful promise from the Lord. It's a wonderful promise. Brother Doug, could you come up here and play on the piano? 
I, listen, I, I don't know what everybody else is going through. I know what I'm going through. But I'm telling you, I'm thankful for the times when I have a God who took part of the same as me. Who was uh, tempted just the same as I am. Of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And who's done all of these things. Just, just think about how he can actually help you this morning. But I, I, I tell you again. And I'm not hasty to say any of this, but I'm telling you very clearly that he come to this world to die for you. He could have never paid for your sins if he had not took part of the same. But he took part of the same so he, he could deliver those who were dead in their sins. Man, isn't that a good God? Good God. He took part of the same church. If you need to come pray or anything, ask the Lord to help you this morning or this afternoon. Altars are open. Can we stand our feet this morning? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. God, you've been good to us. Lord, thank you for taking part of the same for me, Lord. Lord, I believe I've preached exactly what you want. Lord, if there be any lost in here this afternoon, God, I pray you draw them to you, Lord. With your love, your compassion, joy, peace, long-suffering, Lord, meekness, gentleness. Lord, temperance, God, but such there is no law, Lord. You've been so good at it, Lord, to us, Lord. And I thank you for helping us this afternoon. In Jesus' name.